Hey, my name is Andrea T. Sevenson, and welcome to Peace and Gender, a podcast about the people behind the research on gender, peace, and security. In each episode, I will meet up with new people coming from all around the world who specialize in gender, peace, and security. And in this podcast, I'm trying to not only get a better understanding of the studies, but also the people behind the papers and research and projects. Who are they? And why do they research these issues? My name is April Robinson. And my name is Tatiana Boshevska. Talking is not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I've been put on the spot. <laughs> April Robinson and Tatiana Boshipska met while studying international community development. April is an interfaith research and network developer at the Uniting Church, and Tatiana recently completed her master's in gender and development. In this episode, they will be talking about their research projects that looks at prejudiced motivated crimes towards Muslim women in Australia today. But first, I wanted to know, when did April and Tatiana start studying these issues? Here is April's story. I started studying when I was a mature age student. So I'd had my second child and I'd had an epiphany that I actually had a brain and wanted to use it. And it was an incredible moment. Um, I never thought I was academically inclined and until I'd had my, my second child and I really wanted to do something more. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd started off in politics and psychology because I really was interested in those two areas. I did a um, winter subject in Indigenous studies and some of my classmates were doing something called community development. I'd never heard of it before. I was a complete novice. So I switched to it and I have never looked back. It's been an incredible degree and I've met the most amazing people. My peers taught me just as much as my teachers did. But what about Tatiana? I initially started studying international community development and it wasn't until I was given the opportunity um, to do my first internship uh, in a women's rights organisation in Thailand that I realised that what I wanted to do was gender and development more specifically. So um, being around grassroots women's organisations and various social movements, I knew that when I came back and once I finished it, finished my international development uh, community development degree that I just wanted to specialise in gender, so I just progressed and did my master's in gender specifically. When April did her honours degree on the Australian identity, she realised something that led her to the project she's working on today. I've I've never never really felt like I've fitted in, and that's you know as some I'm saying that as as a, a white Australian um, who is you know a few generations Australian. Um, so I, I've never had overt, I've never had any racism, um, you know, uh, I've been, never been in any racist uh, situations myself, but I've seen it a lot. So I thought that if I didn't feel like I fit in into a very white Australia, um, how does it feel for other people who have overt racist um, situations occurring to them every single day. So I wanted to explore uh, that area and what it means uh, to have a national identity and a sense of belonging 
within your country. Their project, Resilient Women Against Prejudiced Motivated Crimes, focus on Muslim women in Australia today. The reason we focus on Muslim women is because Muslim women can be, if they're wearing a hijab or a scarf or a veil, they can be explicit in their religiosity. And there's a lot of fear around Islam at the moment. So there wasn't a lot of uh, empirical evidence around um, around the violence that happened to women. But I would continuously hear these stories being in the role in, in my job. Uh, every time I would speak to someone, I would hear these stories and I heard them in a way that it was normalized for people. So the project began to raise awareness of these issues. Uh, the, pro- the project is, is, is coming from a church. We're a Christian church organization, but it's, it's shaped by Muslim women. Uh, Muslim women are in the steering committees, so I just want to be very upfront about that, that I'm very aware of my own positionality being a non-Muslim woman and not uh, colonizing this space, but having it shaped and led by the people who are affected by the issue. The project started four years ago, looking at the violence towards Muslim women in the public sphere. But the focus has changed over the last year. In the last few years, we've narrowed this down to the problems around reporting such violence, Um, the issues within the police that exist and the issues within the community that exist. Um, For example, there's a lot of uh, ambiguity around what is a reportable crime Uh, the terminology prejudice-motivated crime, what the heck is prejudice-motivated crime is a very ambiguous term. So this is the the issue that we've narrowed it down to focus on in the last last year of, of this project. Tatiana joined the project in October 2017, and she works on putting together all the data that April has collected from Muslim women over the last four years. So using the the data and the stories to facilitate um, referral and reporting tool that we're hoping to put together that will enable victims of prejudice-motivated crime to be able to more have more information, know where to report, know where they can seek services um, if they need support. We're undertaking semi-interviews uh, at the moment, in-depth interviews, um, and drawing more stories and more in-depth stories, particularly around issues of resilience, um, looking at how um, Muslim women in the community are responding to the violence that's been targeted toward them. So I just have to add how amazing Tatiana is. Her job was huge. I had years and years of people's stories and data that I'd collected in the forums that we had done and they were just sitting on the shelf. I I hadn't been able to do much with it just being the only person working consistently on on the project and Tat has come together and she's analyzed this data, she's put it into a cohesive narrative. Uh, and on top of that she's also looking at the, the legal ramifications and the policing ramifications around prejudice-motivated crimes. She's been amazing. She sells herself short, <laughs> and she shouldn't. So 
So why is the issue of prejudice crimes important to look at today? So I'm in this bubble for so much of my time that I forget that other people don't realize that racism actually happens until I go out and I speak about my work um, and I get hit with questions like, does it really happen that often? I ride the trains, I don't see anything happening. Or why don't women just take off their headscarf and then they won't have a problem? Stuff like that. So the fact that I get those questions very often when I'm speaking to people really goes to show that this research and this project is incredibly important to shine a light on, on what's actually happening, what's happening with these uh, with with these people, the incidents that they go through, but also the structures that exist that enable this type of violence to be perpetuated. April and Tatiana both feel that the issue of prejudice crimes is important to talk about for many reasons. Physical attacks on Muslim women are often not recognised because they tend to be invisible. So it can be everything from just microaggression behaviour of other people, so microaggressive behaviour of other people, uh, to outright discrimination and criminal behaviour. Um, what I've found when listening to women who are telling their stories, they not only does no one seem to see it around when it's happening in the public, but they're also with their children as well a lot of the times. So there's not a lot of uh, women who are going to face up to an aggressor when they've got their children there. Their first thought is to protect their children and to just get away from, from this aggressor. Another problem is that it does happen, like I said, on a, on a micro level. So it can be anything from being ignored in a shop to not being able to get a job because you have a Muslim sounding name or you wear the hijab. I was just speaking to someone today who spoke of a friend who is a hairdresser and wears a hijab and couldn't get a job. She took it off and surprise, surprise, she got a job. So these stories are just across the board. Um, but they're also invisible. So there's not a lot of people who are speaking about it or there are people who are speaking about it but there's not a lot of people who are listening to these stories and taking them into account as something that actually affects people and needs to be uh, addressed. So after I moved to Australia I've met many people who have multicultural backgrounds and a thing that often comes up in conversations is the feeling of otherness. My friends were born in Australia and like many other people, they sometimes feel like they're seen as different just because of where their families are from. Tatiana herself knows this feeling. I think many migrants have a similar story. Um, they experience similar narratives. They feel in a similar way about knowing that they're different in this country. And we're reminded of it. So whether or not you're Muslim, whether or you're from an Asian background, Chinese or from India or from, I'm from Macedonia, growing up I was called a wog. It was just what we were called. It was normalised. I was told to go back to where you came from. Um, so I think hearing those narratives for me 20 years on 
just cements why it's so important that we shine a light wherever we can to say that this is still going on and it's no longer acceptable. April and Tatiana are working on a tool that will make it easier to report prejudice-motivated crimes. A part of this project has been to look at how the police force deals with prejudice-motivated crimes, as Tatiana goes on to explain. Story after story we heard repeatedly and comments we heard repeatedly was what was the point in actually reporting to the police. Um, And a very, I think, interesting aspect that also came up was prejudice within the police force as well. So women would feel re-victimised going in to actually make a report. Um, A lot of the stories and the literature and, I mean, even when you hear police speak, a lot of the onus of the responsibility to actually do something about all this is placed on victims. And I think what this project has taught us is that using... Offering people a space, actually, to share their stories casts a light back onto the structures that enable this violence to happen in the first place. You know, it's forced us to look at the media. It's forced us to look at Victoria Police. It's forced us to look at our government policies and narratives. Um, And it's not just Muslim women that are affected. I mean, you can expand it to a broader context where you're involving other racial, ethnic minorities. It's enabled us to actually look at a broader picture. And I think that's what we're hoping with the tool, that we can actually provide people with a resource. There's a place for someone someone who's subjected to violence, to, subjected to prejudice-motivated violence to go. April tells me more about the stories that she's heard over the last four years. So over the last three to four years, I would have spoken to hundreds of women. I've heard so many stories. Um, I I can tell you a few of them. Uh, One woman told me about someone trying to set her hijab on fire from the back when she was walking down the street. I've heard multiple stories of items being thrown into car windows when women are driving with their children in there and um, abusive, racist taunts uh, being also delivered with that object thrown in the window. Um, I've heard so many stories of women being spat on, their children being spat on. Um, There are so many different elements to this and to racism and to prejudice that exist. And I, as not even as an Australian, but I as a human being will not stand for this type of behaviour, whether it be racism or sexism or ableism or anything in the place where I live. So if I'm in a position, which I'm lucky enough to be in a position for the, the place that I work in, if I'm in a position to try and mitigate or try and help this in any way, then that's what I'll be doing. That was April Robinson and Tatiana Boshipska. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Peace and Gender. My name is Andrea Tees Evanson, and this podcast was produced for Monash Gender, Peace and Security and Mojo News. Mm-hmm.